Joe, Rod, do you copy? Do you copy? Polly Wally? We copy. Listen, do you know Turn It Up to 11? Do you know the Earth orbits the sun? Look, I need the start cast frequency to bring it back. Uh, we haven't heard from you guys since season one, and now you want to put it on this fucking shit show? Look, I know it's been a while, but I think we need to come back. And the only way to do it is with the StarCast. But Josie Rosie and Roddy Dottie, I need you. I'll make it up to you. You can make it up to us right now. We want to hear it. I'm not fucking doing it. You have to if you want this podcast. No fucking way. We hear it or no hot dog on a stick. Shit. Turn around. Look at what you see in her face. The mirror of your dream. Make believe I'm everywhere. Given in the light. Written on the pages is the answer to our never ending story. Ah, story. Ah. Nerds. Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with Paul Hart and Rod Clairbout, and we are talking all Stranger Things Season 3 this episode. And uh, what did we all think of it, guys? Jumping right into it, fuck yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting enthusiastic, fuck yeah! And (laughs) instead it was... You put the crickets on. You put the crickets on. <laughs> Welcome for so much inspiration on your fucking soundboard and shit. That would be the um, most used fucking drop on this show. <laughs> Me saying something and guests being like, Jesus, why does he have a show? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very happy to, in a way, bring back Turn It Up to 11. It's very exciting to talk to Rod and you guys again. I haven't talked oh, yeah. to Rod since uh, Frostbite, which was a clusterfuck in itself. <laughs> <laughs> that one was pretty epic. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just going to jump right off the bat. Season three or Stranger Things three is my favorite season of the entire series. Nice. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like, especially like seeing some of the hate, I don't really get because... Stranger Things is a weird thing, right? Like season one came out of nowhere. I remember one night just being on Netflix and it popping up on my home screen like Stranger Things. I'm like, ooh, what's this? And I remember just falling into the 80s nostalgia and like Winona Ryder and this girl fucking loving waffles and bleeding from her nose. Like, what is this shit? And I fell in love with it like I think almost all of us did. And then – Season two had the toughest task to follow up because we had nothing to expect with season one. All of a sudden season two comes and it's like, oh, my God, it has to be as good as the first season. And I think I can't speak for the Duffer brothers. I don't know if they kind of expected just to kind of carry on like 
use all that momentum where they really didn't focus too much out. Like, I don't know where their heart is, but it definitely was off from season one. And they like, I think they kind of got too into the hype. Like they had a, they had like a, a talk show after each episode and all that. Like they really hyped it up. And then of course, season two didn't get nearly as much praise as season one. And then season three, besides the co besides the new Coke, um, promotion stuff i feel like it didn't get as much promotion as season two and i feel like season three is where they kind of really got back into their roots like they got back into character development they got back into new stories and for me it fucking worked like i love the new ideas i love splitting up the group and i guess where i'm basing my decision if i was going to rewatch any season of stranger things right now would be season three. I don't know if it's shiny new toy syndrome, but based on the fact that I'm choosing that over season one, I'm going to go that season three right now is currently my favorite season of this uh, series. Nice. Rod, what, what order would you put this one in? I still hold season one as my favorite. Um, just because it came in with no expectations and it it did very little marketing. I don't even know if it marketed at all or if it just dropped straight on Netflix one day. Um, but it like caught everybody by surprise and turned into a phenomenon. Um, season two is probably my least favorite, but it's not. I didn't think it was as bad as some people thought it was. Um, but season three came right back to form with season one, and it's really close to being my favorite. As re, it's it's like what Paul was saying. It's the most rewatchable one right now for me. Because there's a lot more um, in the first season, we get a, it's a lot. It's a very dark um, first season. It's pretty heavy at points in the show, um, and there's not a whole lot of like fun, easygoing moments. They brought more of those into season two with the relationship with Dustin and Steve, uh, but then they really killed it in season three with Dustin, Steve, Erica, and uh, fuck, what's the other Carol? Is that Robin. Robin. Um, those four together in this season, and that was a fucking blast. Um, so yeah, this one's really close to being my favorite. Uh, so it goes one, three, two for me right now. I just want to thank Uma and Ethan for giving right? Robin. <laughs> Seriously, she was fucking fantastic in this. She was one of the standouts standouts of the season for me for sure. And then yeah. it, as well as uh. Uh, Priya Ferguson as Erica Sinclair. She was really good too. And uh, America without Erica. (laughs) (laughs) And And speaking of Erica, thinking face right afterwards. He's like, "That's right." (laughs) Speaking of Erica, I have to hit on her brother real quick. I dude, he's a child. Come on, don't hit on him. (laughs) Shut up. I wasn't a big fan of him in seasons one and two, but I really enjoyed him in season three. I'm talking about Lucas. Oh, he was my favorite in this season two. Yeah, Yeah. I really enjoyed him. He really grew into his own. Absolutely. Yeah, I liked liked him in season one, but season three, he definitely took it up a little bit. Season one. I didn't like him at the end of season one. He seemed like the bully of the group in, in season one. Well, I don't know if he was the bully. He was just like, who's this girl stealing all of my attention? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, Rod, I would put this in the same order that you did, too. That that I really thought that this one was just under number one for me. The first season's going to be really hard to beat for me just because it's got 
the nostalgia associated with it that I'd never seen a show like this before. And it came in and knocked it out of the park. And I, I actually just started the first season over last night. And man, what a <laughs> the kids look so little compared to this right. new one. I mean, they're really starting to shoot up in age. So um, they're, they're going to have to jump on doing this next season as soon as possible. Well, from what I read is they're going to start filming in October. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I saw. But they need to. I feel like they only they only really can take it one more season because if they try to extend it out any longer, I feel like it's really going to lose something if all of a sudden, like the last season, we are seeing them all like in college. They're all working at Radio Shack following right. Bob's footsteps. <laughs> um, so I think it's safe to say we all agree that season three was definitely returned to form. Oh, without for a doubt. Things. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. Um, in did you guys think that the first couple episodes were a little bit slow? And then it, this, this season almost kind of snowballed, you know, it's like with every episode, it's really picking up speed and everything. I agree that it picks up speed, but I don't necessarily will say it would like start off slow. Like I never felt like, Oh, come on. Like it's dragging on. Like, I definitely think it gradually, like you said, turn into the snowball effect, but never once was I like, oh man, this is dragging or this is slow. Like I was into it right away with the fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger Russian guy doing the Darth Vader fucking chokehold on the Russian scientist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a way to start off it with, you know, because we, we got a little bit of that in the first season with 11 eavesdropping on what the Russians were doing. And then for it to bring that aspect of it so far into the story. And then it, it kind of led me to believe also that was the person that Brenner had 11 spying on. Do you think he had something to do with that similar program for studying the upside down? I didn't think of that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even think about that. It sounds like a really good idea though. Yeah. It'd be, uh, it'd be cool if that all ties together. Like if they knew that they were going this direction all along. Um, yeah, but man, like like one of the one of the first things that man, I don't know. I'm really jumping ahead saying this. Maybe I'm just gonna save this for later. Instead, why don't why don't we just kind of discuss a little bit of season or um, episode one uh, entitled Chapter One? Susie, do you copy? Um, what did you guys think of Dustin talking about Susie? Okay, Susie led up to my. To me, the reveal of Susie, I know we're going to get into it, the reveal of Susie in the episode eight was my whole Steve going back into the house episode or season one moment. Like, <laughs> yeah. to me, that was such a fist bumping moment for me. Like, like all of a sudden it says like Salt Lake City. I'm like, oh, shit, Susie's real. <laughs> she exists. <laughs> And, and we'll of course, she's get super that later. smart, you know, and, and she's like got the same nerdy attitude that Dustin does. But yeah, yeah, we'll get there later for sure. <laughs> but just the whole thing with with him getting back from camp and, uh, you know, because because this season starts off, we got Mike and Eleven are paired up boyfriend and girlfriend. And so are Max and Lucas. And Dustin's been away at summer camp and Will's been kind of playing third wheel all summer and then Dustin gets back and he's got this duffel bag with all this shit in it and it's just like a homemade ham radio and he's saying that he's got a girlfriend in Salt Lake City who they can't get in touch with and and uh <laughs> I loved all the disbelief around everybody They're like yeah she's not real <laughs> well like the one thing 
The one thing I really loved about this season is it reminded us almost every episode that yes, these these characters have like saved the world a couple times. They've been through some high stakes shit, but at the end of the day, they're still kids. Like they're still gonna do kid shit. They're still growing up. They still have to go through that whole journey of becoming adults and stuff. And it was fun to see that conflict with what they needed to do, like them just still being kids, like Dustin getting the quote-unquote fake girlfriend at camp and all that shit and new relationships blossoming and a friend feeling left behind. Like it was just – it was a lot of fun to see that through the eyes of young teenagers. Yeah, they're doing a – they do a really good job of showing what a – I'd say like in just the – the relationships between characters outside of the like phenomena of stranger things, just the normal um, social interactions that happen as you get older and things that happen where friends, one friend ends up being kind of like the, the last man out situation when kids start getting boyfriends, girlfriends, things like that. I thought they did a great job of showing that throughout the season, but I thought this first, yeah, this first episode really did a great job of laying some type of horror aspect too. When we got to, when like they're going up to that hill and we just see these rats running towards this this warehouse, and we're just kind of left with that. And I just thought that a lot of these horror elements that they brought into this season, they shot some scenes really great that like kind of creeped me out at times. Yeah, the body horror stuff in this season was really really disturbing. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, it was really cool when we see the their what is it night of the living dead that they snuck into in the theater? Yes. Yes. Yep. And then the power goes out because you know, the Russians we find out later have fired up this big machine and then we see all the rats running away and then you see all those dust swirl in that warehouse and everything. And that was super intriguing and and Rod, you're right. It did have that horror feel that definitely increased as episodes went on. Um, the the episode ends with Dustin, you know, all alone up on the hill and he's his transmitter picks up some guy speaking Russian. And yeah, uh, that was great. Uh, and then, you know, we can't leave off this episode without talking about what happens between Billy and uh, Mrs. <laughs> Wheeler. <laughs> OK, all I got is two words for episode one. Mrs. Wheeler. I fucking love that woman so much. She is so amazing. Like uh, I love the I love the whole conflict, but I do kind of want to get back into um, Dustin's inventions. Did anybody realize that he invented the slammer, which is what um, the dad and Gremlins makes? Oh, I didn't catch that at all. No, I didn't catch that. Yeah, and another thing I kind of caught. I, I could be totally wrong, but um, Jonathan and Nancy, who I love Nancy, but I think these two probably could have bit it in the first fucking episode. Um, he kind of had a Marty McFly moment, didn't he? When they're getting out of bed, he's put on his pants and he like, I swear to God, he falls the same exact way. Marty McFly falls when he's putting his pants on in his mom's bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't notice that either. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I didn't catch on that. (laughs) That's all I got. And one thing I did notice, like another little Easter egg is, um, they have like that dinosaur to that giant bird poster that was in Mike's basement in season one. That now hangs in L's room. 
Wow, yeah, yeah, dude, you caught all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch that shit. I've been rewatching this like crazy, dude. I mean, come on, dude. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. <laughs> uh, so, what did you think of all the ladies at the pool being so obsessed with Billy? And, and how weird is it Billy. that you're going to a swimming pool and you have that much makeup on? It was the 80s, though. Come on. <laughs> And she's walking around in her bathing suit, like in high heels and shit, too. That was that was the best part. Yeah, I mean, those ladies are clearly not there to swim. Oh no! Oh no! What's great is Billy plays it up so well, too. <laughs> As he's walking by, waving at all of them, saying hi to Mrs. Wheeler, and they're all just staring at him the whole time while he's sitting up there at the lifeguard stand. They're not there to swim, but they're there to get wet. <laughs> you're not wrong right, i love how his intro right away is him blowing his whistle yelling lard ass to stop moving <laughs> no kidding god what Don't a dick <laughs> in front of everybody at the fucking <laughs> hey lard ass you'll be banned forever <laughs> and, and then um like splooging over him <laughs> that that first episode too that's where he, him and mrs wheeler kind of have a talk by themselves right and he tries to get her to meet him up meet up with him at a, a motel tell six we'll leave the lights on for you <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah i know me personally i'm really glad that that went the way it did that, for sure. that, that she ended up you know looking at her family and being like no i can't do this um, yeah, you know, cause but she still shows up the next day at the pool, fucking dolled out and oh, for sure, makeup she, and yeah. hair done. <laughs> she still wants the attention, you know, for, oh, sure. for sure. Um, when he clocks her, he hits her so hard. Oh, and his little vision or whatever. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That caught me off so much. I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, is she dead? Did they kill <laughs> fucking Mrs. Wheeler? <laughs> Just did like an elbow spinning, like a spinning elbow right behind the side of her head. Yeah, he was Damn. using some of that fucking Red Ranger shit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How do you even say his name? Is it like Dacry Montgomery? Like, is he named after a fucking drink? I think it's Dacry. Dacry, okay. Are you talking the actor's name? Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a vampire name. It's like D-A-C-R-E. Dacre. Oh, yeah. Dacre the Vampire. That sounds like a name. <laughs> I wonder if he's Southern. Uh, I think he's... <laughs> Dacre Montgomery, uh, ma'am. <laughs> I think he's Australian. <laughs> oh, it's Dacre Montgomery, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty accurate to his voice. Are you making fun of my fucking name, mate? <laughs> no oh, hey 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 no dude hard ass thing in the australian accent <laughs> fucking lard it no I, I i don't know i can't do it i can't do that sort of I, i'd have to see a video and see how they I pronounce it oh you fucking lard ass i i don't know i don't know no, basically that, all yeah. of my russian or all russian i, I can't <laughs> russian fucking accent sucks <laughs> all the australians one i do it's basically just all of the uh nuts <laughs> I say Hugh Jackman, but it, it's the uh, the comic from from there, the really filthy comic that says "cunt" a lot. You fucking cunt snake! <laughs> <laughs> I'm blanking on his fucking name at the moment. I'm gonna say, "Oh, duh!" Later. Oh, I think you're talking about Richard Pryor. <laughs> yes, yeah, the Australian comic that says "cunt" a lot, Richard Pryor. <laughs> anyway, back to Stranger and we're things. off the rails. I know, like in the, in the worst fucking way. <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck you. 
Okay. So uh, yeah, that that first episode then ends with with Billy uh, getting into a car wreck on his way to go meet her uh, to meet Mrs. Wheeler at that motel, and he gets uh, drug inside that uh, that factory by something we don't see what it is. Dude, that's a hell of a way to end a first episode, right? I thought he was dead, and I was like, oh, he dead. They kill him <laughs> off quick this season. <laughs> Paul, what yeah, did you I, think of that? I thought it was fucking crazy, but I remember seeing the trailers that they talked about, like, there's a new host, and they showed him with all those black veins in his fucking face. So I'm like, oh, yeah, he'll he's probably going to be the new big bad of this season, which was fun. It was a lot of fun to see him as the big bad and the whole, like, I really like that the Russians kind of went up to the forefront this season. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. Bringing that kind of red Dawn aspect into it. Yeah. And I think they mentioned, right. I think they referenced red Dawn a couple times this, uh, this season. I think they talked about how that was the first PG 13 movie, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed, um, I really fucking enjoyed the whole, billy arc um and just like the like this season i feel could be the scariest season of all three of them like with the body horror and just just the way they use a lot of um how can i explain this like a lot of the setting or like a lot of the areas where the story takes place become characters of their own like the train depot, that warehouse, like that was fucking scary as fuck, but that served as a character all of its own. And of course, Starcourt Mall. I was in love with Starcourt Mall this season. Yeah, for like, sure. That yeah, was a character. Absolutely. Jim Jeffries. That was the name there of the you comic. Go. There you go. <laughs> Ten minutes later, Thank and you, I'm brain. off the rails. <laughs> but before we, before we close on this first uh, episode, we can't not talk about the fact how awesome it was that like the rest of the group when Dustin returns from camp they're kind of like all like all on their own mission doing something and Dustin can't find any of them and then Dustin comes home and all of a sudden his all of his toys start coming alive and moving somewhere and they and they basically do like a surprise come home party that I thought that scene was really cool that was great <laughs> yeah and of course he and has R2D2 and all that out of all the kids he has to spray Lucas right Right. <laughs> Been pepper sprayed okay. nine times. Takes twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> From next Friday. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of Under Siege Part Two, where uh, fucking Catherine Heigl's pepper sprays that one guy. He's like, I put this on my cornflakes. <laughs> it's not mace. Civilians are issued pepper spray. <laughs> Just clears the sinuses. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! Can we talk about fucking Hopper? Hopper was amazing this season. Hopper Hopper has gotten Hopper has divided the internet. (laughs) Like, uh, did you see the girl from Westworld? Uh, Was it Evan Rachel? Evan Rachel Wood. She's like, he is such a terrible fucking guy. He's abusive. He's a stalker. Oh yeah, she went to town on him. Let me fucking bring some of this stuff up. Like, she really went to town. Oh man, that's too bad. I hadn't heard anything about that. And you know, people are. I feel like up. he was just kind of. I feel like he was just kind of playing like that kind of stereotypical dad in the eighties, like hard ass type situation. I thought he did it really well. Oh, she okay, was saying that is, about the character. She was saying that about the character. This is oh, what she said. Oh, I thought she you said, meant somebody was accusing David Harper. I'm like, what? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Evan Rachel Wood, who plays uh, Wyatt or Dolores on Westworld. 
Her first tweet was, you should never date a guy like the cop from Stranger Things. Extreme jealousy and violent rages are not flattering or sexy like TV would have you believe. That is all. And as you can imagine how the internet is, it just it sat really well with some people. Wow. Yeah, she got into this whole thing. But yeah, he like he definitely played he definitely played into like being a dick, at least with Mike, with the whole breaking him and L up. But I kind of got a side with Hopper on that one, because if I go into my daughter's room to talk to my even if it's his adopted daughter and boyfriend and that motherfucker leans over and whispers into my daughter's ear, making fun of me. I'm taking him right into that fucking truck too. Like, get the fuck out of here, you piece of shit. We're going. Yeah, We're because it is right still now. the teenage thing to where it's like, you know, if you push a teenager in one direction, they're intentionally going to go twice as hard the opposite way. Well, yeah, but don't fucking whisper in my daughter's ear, making fun of me in my own fucking house, motherfucker. Well, don't be such a fucking angry goofball. Well, okay, well that's true, <laughs> but they should have kept the door three fucking inches. <laughs> All they had to do was keep the door three inches. That's it. That's all. There's no door closing in that house. (laughs) I like how far he had to lean back in that lazy boy to get a peek through the door. (laughs) I got to say, as someone that rocks a dad bod, I have to I have to applaud Avengers Endgame and Stranger Things three this year. They really made the dad bod back in style this year. <laughs> Thor. <laughs> What's Disney calling him, Bro Thor? Like they didn't want to call him fat, like Fat Thor. They wanted to call him Bro Thor. Or something. <laughs> they didn't want to call him Fat Thor. <laughs> Let's not call a spade a spade. We got to soften this up because we're, we're responsible for Thor. people's emotions. <laughs> it looks like melted ice cream. Uh, that's the thing. It's melted ice cream Thor. yeah it's like the like the statue or uh, museum of wax statue of thor just slowly started to melt (laughs) (laughs) uh what what the fuck are we doing how are we talking about fat thor okay (laughs) hopper (laughs) you got me on the show buddy (laughs) this is what happens you're welcome Okay, so when Billy gets dragged down into the Upside Down right at the beginning of, of, of uh, Episode 2, Chapter 2, The Mall Rats, uh, that stuff with uh, his doppelganger stepping forward and attacking him, or, you know, taking over for him, did you guys pick up on that right away, that it's like, oh, fuck, this is like some invasion of the body snatchers shit going on this season, or oh, potentially yeah. going to? Oh, yeah. Well, it kind of makes that whole Upside Down like its own parallel universe. At least that's what I got from it. Like in the upside down, I took it that he almost was in the upside down. Like we almost have our own counterpart. Yeah, because what was the whole crowd of people behind Billy if Billy was the first? Yeah, was that like who like was that kind of saying who he should do or was Billy or was Billy like more fit to be the leader? Maybe he necessarily wasn't the first, but he was more like mentally fit or physically fit to like lead the brigade against this. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he was definitely the first human they took, but there was some other thing in the upside down where it was, I don't know. There's obviously far more to the upside down that, that could be explored because this was the, the season I think that really touched on the upside down, maybe the least, at least as far as the, you know, we had plenty of 11 going there, 
you know, searching for things, but n- nothing in terms of, like the first and second season, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah now, a lot less. I'm going to ask a really fucking stupid question. A really stupid question. What's the point of the Russians reopening the gate? Like, yeah, I what mean, are they getting out of it? Well, I mean, because, yeah, they want to bring all this shit forth. And obviously at the end of the credits, which we'll get there, the final season, we see they're kind of. But I mean, with like the mind flayer and stuff, how how can they possibly think they can use that to their advantage? Like these creatures or whatever, how can they possibly manipulate it to be on their side? Yeah, that's something that they're definitely going to have to expand on more in season four because there wasn't any real rhyme or reason on why they were doing this, why they would spend seemingly billions of dollars to build these underground facilities under their town and well, everything and like for, for what? What's what's the what's the end goal of what they're doing by opening a portal that's what maybe a, a foot wide in a concrete wall or something? I I don't know. It just well, seems odd that their reasoning well, for doing it. Well, even though it's a foot wide, like it still brought that giant mind flare through because as soon as that thing was closed, he died. Yeah. But it's just like, how are you going to control something like that to your benefit? Yeah, I I did. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Uh, I was just just gonna say, I almost feel like they kind of when that initial like tear happened, I I think that maybe they were just drawn to like whatever the like this, the extreme amount of energy that it brought and they were intrigued by it. And so that's why they've been trying to develop a way to bring that like open that back up because they just want to explore like what it could be. And then if it's just, if it's some to them, it's probably like, if it's energy, it's probably something we could turn into a weapon. And that's what I feel like they were trying to come up like what their, their end goal was by reopening this, the upside down. Okay. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but where do you think that this thing was located? I mean, because they accessed it through the mall but then they had to go, they had to, you know, walk and or drive a, a really long ways to get to where the actual bunker was. Well, and even at the beginning of the of the season, they were trying to open it in what I believe was like fucking Moscow, Russia. No, it was in Siberia. It was some like, in the, oh, I mean, in Siberia, a lab, a lab like into the drilled into the side of a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. I guess you could probably try to access any part of it anywhere you wanted to. Maybe some signals were stronger in different parts of Hawkins because you're right. They went to that house where they found Smirnoff or Alexi. Yeah. The fuck were they doing down there? Yeah, it kind of touched on that a little bit. They said that those places were like transfer stations or something like that to like boost the power coming out of the power plant because they were they had them set up all around the place because they were drawing power for this machine from the Hawkins power plant. And that's why when they uh, fired it up that first time, it blacked out the the whole town and then the movie shut down and, and will immediately sensed that the mind flare was back in their world. Cause we, we had lots of will sensing the mind flare in this episode or in this whole season. And I was really glad that he didn't get taken over again. Well, this is my favorite season of will. For sure. Like, this is easily my favorite season of Will because he's given more to do. He's more involved in the story. Like, I really enjoyed what he brought to the season this year. Yeah, yeah I, totally I was glad to finally that. get. Yeah, I was glad to finally get to see him as himself and not playing a great role as a possessed kid from the Mind Flare 
or being in the upside down like in the first season. Well, he kind of gave us some insight to how the mind flayer works and all that. And he was at, like he was actually able to contribute to the team. Now, um, before I forget, when were we introduced? Like what I love about this lately is how it's been bringing like actors, most notably for movies from the 80s. When do we get introduced to the mayor that's played by Carrie Yules? Is that season? Is that episode one? Um, I'm scrolling through a synopsis right now, just trying to find it. But I, I loved his character in this. What he played the perfect sleazeball. And yes, dude, <laughs> I bring this up because I put it in my notes. One of my favorite things is when Hopper shows up to City Hall. There's the protesters. So I think this is I think this is episode two because he goes there after he tells Joyce his whole thing worked. But if you look at the signs, there's a sign that says Starcourt Mall. Their pretzels aren't even that good. (laughs) 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 I just had to throw that in there. (laughs) That second episode is great when we finally see them all at the mall and interacting and everything. And then Steve working at Scoops Ahoy. God damn, you know what? I'm still going to go on record. Steve is my goddamn favorite character from this whole show. He was definitely my favorite character from this season. I, yeah. I love that motherfucker. Yeah, he's he might be my favorite, too. Him and Dustin are pretty close. Yeah, I really you know, like I, what they've done it, just in the series in general, what they've done, because as the first season starts off, you really don't like him until about the last episode. I mean, he starts to turn when he goes and cleans up the sign, you know, with the graffiti on it and and starts to do things to make amends. Um, but as this show has gone on, like I've I've liked his character more and more every season, his interactions with Robin and then with with Dustin, Erica and Robin, with all the four of them together later in the in the season, all of that stuff was just perfect. Uh, and the planet video guy at the end. Come on. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah. We. We have one planet video in Milwaukee and the journal Sentinel in Milwaukee said like their, their sales or whatever have gone up like by 200% since the finale of stranger things. (laughs) They rented three movies. (laughs) I'm shocked that those places still even exist. Dude, for real. I I do got to say who else was kind of missing that we only had Mr. Clark in like five seconds of one episode this season. Yeah, I was really hoping we'd get more of him, too, because he was great with what... And I loved when it started out, he was painting miniatures. (laughs) Right? Yeah, and he was listening to My Bologna by Weird Al. (laughs) That's right! That was the best part. (laughs) It's really cool that, that, you know, Joyce has this thing happen where she notices magnets are falling off, and so she goes and talks to uh, the, the the boys, the science teacher, to figure out why this is happening. And and he says that you know the, some some really large device must have been uh, built that would cost you know millions of dollars and all this power and everything to run. And so Joyce immediately starts thinking, okay, there's something going on. It's probably at that lab. And so she goes to talk to Hopper about it. And, you know, Hopper's already been talking to her a lot, asking parenting advice and stuff. And 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 I, I love their arc in this season as well. That's starting off that Hopper is definitely pursuing her, but she's still not over Bob's death. And, and uh, I love that. Yeah. I fucking love the 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 cutscenes to Sean Astin and how she like, you know, even though like technically he may not be the one 
physically for someone like um, Winona Ryder, but just like the impact he had on her and just that whole scene of her on the couch eating the TV dinner and thinking back to a time when they were watching, I forget what game show, but that was just heartbreaking, the impact he had on her. Rod, what'd you think of that? Yeah, I was, I was really glad the way they did it, and they did it to really just show like how, how much of a connection they really had in that second season. I mean, and Bob was a great character in that second season. I feel like a lot of people were sad that he, he died and wasn't able to come back for season three. Um, well, did, for sure. Have Have you guys seen the theory that if your name starts with B, and you're on Stranger Things, you should pretty much know you're gonna die. <laughs> I got Barb, Bob, and Billy. Wow, yeah, you're not far off. I mean, like, holy shit. Yeah, if they if there's a character with B in their name on the for the episode four, it's like, dude, you might as well be on Star Trek wearing a red shirt. Right. And and, and possibly Dr. Brenner, but 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 I got major theories on him when we get to the end of this. Oh, nice. Um let's see, I'm trying to think of Oh, what did you think of um uh, Eleven and Max, you know, striking up the friendship that they did, and, and Max taking Eleven to the mall and kind of taking her under her wing and, and helping her out. I loved it. I love seeing L finally go from being like a fucking guinea pig to a full fledged teenage girl in the eighties, and Max being the catalyst to introduce her to what it's like to be a kid in this time. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it when she was looking at that teen beat or whatever, and they're talking about Ralph Macchio. Dude, <laughs> right. I wanted to watch Cobra Kai after this. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we watch all of them. Yeah, but no, like it was great because yeah, finally they've gotten to the point where she's actually like allowed to be out in public and things like that. So now she can finally have a normal life instead of being always cooped up all the time. And what did you think of the the scene where Eleven goes and spies on the boys? And th- this is after uh, Eleven is broken up with Mike because uh, they, Hopper flipped out on Mike. Shocker. Kind of jumping all over the place with this. What, but what did you think of that spying scene? That was great. I loved it. I loved the whole... Um... Damn, I think it's a little bit. Yeah, never mind. I'll wait till we get to it. I was going to jump ahead again. Are you talking about when like, I could have been taking a shit? No, I was thinking of when Steven, Steven Dustin start doing their little spine. <laughs> oh man. I, that, that was great. <laughs> He's burping and talking about, you can smell the nacho cheese and then Lucas is farting. <laughs> right. It's like, like, well, a group of girls hang out. It's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, don't you think they have a read? They, they have a legit reason to be pissed at them for that. Like, you can't just fucking spy it. That's not fair. Well, no, of course not. But <laughs> That's a fucking unfair advantage. But I do like the whole, I loved the whole, like, their take on spin the bottle. But, like, instead of kissing the person, you go and you fucking see Listen what they're doing. Them. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was wild. Which yeah. was a great way, which was an organic way to find out, like, to kind of pull the curtain back on Billy. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah, that was just a really good. Yeah, you're right. Really good way of them them doing that and letting you see like where he was at because there's no way anyone would have actually been able to follow him in real life. So this was a great way for them to tell that his side of the story. Yeah, and like oh, kind of going off thought of that. That's great, Rod. Yeah, yeah. 
And kind of going off this, how perfect of casting was it to have Jake Busey as just a piece of shit <laughs> oh at the my. fucking newspaper? Dude, didn't you just want to punch him in the fucking face every time he opened his mouth? I, I always want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care I what that he's dude. in. I just want to go punch that motherfucker. Especially in contact. Oh, yeah. Do you remember motherfucker. The, do you remember the weird character choices he made with uh the part that he played in uh the frighteners okay the frighteners is a fucking fantastically underrated movie thanks it for bringing sure it is. Up. but he plays that that weird serial killer guy ghost that that has that odd fucking lisp that only comes out <laughs> once in a while <laughs> i don't know weird choices was made in that but but it made for an intriguing character you think Benicio del Toro took inspiration <laughs> from him for uh, the Last Jedi? <laughs> uh, he's fucking stealing from Jake Busey. Nobody's gonna see this shit coming, <laughs> right? No one will believe that. <laughs> Jake Busey's sitting there one night, like fucking watching Netflix, eating a can of Bush beans, like that motherfucker, <laughs> son of a bitch. I like that he's eating beans like he's a fucking hobo. <laughs> yeah, he's like in a fucking tank top and flannel pajama pants. Like, son of a bitch. I did that first. <laughs> oh, God, I hated his character in this season, though. I mean, just a total misogynist piece of shit. And I, I can't believe Nancy lasted as long as she did working for that newspaper with all those pricks. All right, right, well, like, this is what I would have liked to seen. I'm not a huge Nancy fan because I don't think a lot of the shit she does is interesting. But they really had something there, didn't they? Especially with, like, you know, like her being a woman in a man's world when that in that thing. And then they kind of dropped it, like how she was going to fight back and, like, really make a name for herself. I would have loved to seen her almost like... Like, uh, like the final episode, her kind of going back into the newspaper office, like almost being maybe not the editor-in-chief but like really working her way up like you know fuck you guys like i broke the story i'm i'm fucking moving up ahead in this but they just kind of dropped that whole angle like real fucking quickly because i think she had a whole talk with her mom about how she how she might not be cut out in that world just because she's a female like, they really had some momentum to go with it, and then all of a sudden it just kind of fizzled out. Well, they had the perfect opportunity to pay that off also, because they in the at the end of the show it has that news broadcast kind of giving yeah, you the some inside background edition on what, on what happened. Shit. And it's like, why wasn't Nancy the one that, that wrote that? Why, why didn't they give a nod to her in that piece that, you know, this story initially broken by reporter Nancy Wheeler. It had been so easy to say that. And then you, as the viewer, you'd be going, Oh, look, she did exactly what, when she had her heart to heart with her mom, what her mom said that she should do. They could have done that. that. And that that's a miss in my opinion. Yeah. I, I definitely like that. I completely agree with that. Now, without jumping ahead too much further, like I just have this huge question. Everyone that was possessed by the mind flare, are they dead? They are fucking dead. Rod, okay, how think? many people was that? Like 50 people? Um, I'm trying to th- see. Like, I don't know because like, I was thinking that they just all kind of – because remember, Will kind of explains it. He basically says like you just kind of go into like hibernation. Like when he, when they possess you, that like the mind the mind flare just kind of goes into hibernation. But you, you can just tell he's always there waiting to be activated. 
Except so when they I, all walk into that basement or whatever, their like bodies are literally exploding. Yeah, 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 yeah. From that point, that point on, point, they're point, dead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at that point. I thought you were just thinking like once they get possessed. No, no. So like how many people is that? Oh fuckload, man. It's gotta be at least thirty or forty. Dude, like fuck inside edition being there, fucking CNN should have been there. I mean, yeah, whatever fucking TMZ type of bullshit was reporting that at the end, like, there's at least 50 people dead in fucking Hawkins. Yeah, that's a small, small town. And they're blaming Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, because some of them, I mean, we see the one guy's full family disappear. There's the, the lifeguard, and then Tom, the Nancy's boss at the newspaper, and then his wife. That, they're right there as a whole family that disappeared. And then, you know, yeah, this is jumping ahead and fuck it, we're going to go all over the place with this. But... Let's fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, at this point, let's just jump around. Yeah, fuck it. yeah, that totally works for me. Let's just talk uh, about characters and fucking go with it. For sure. Um, okay, so when the Mind Flayer calls everybody towards the end and everybody just stops and walks away, I mean, there, one of them's just a random kid walking away from his friends. We got the one guy walking away from his wife, the one wife walking away. And so it's just all these random people just up and disappear. And some of them even whole fucking families. Like, for sure, that's something that's going to have to be talked about in season four. I mean, it, it, even with the, the stuff coming to light in a, a TMZ type way, it's like, no, there's a bigger story right there. Right. What you said, Paul. Oh, yeah. for sure. The, the, that has to be investigated. I got to say, I'm going to sound like a dick. You know, who annoyed the fuck out of me was the lady that was eating fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> She was just she disgusting, was man. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, ugh. But how, how great of a scene, though, earlier was it when, like, this was, like, the one part of the horror aspect that I thought was, like, super creepy the way they shot it. Um, and I loved it because I rewatched it again last night um, when Eleven, Eleven and uh, Max were spying on Billy and she's, like, he's got someone with her and she's screaming or something. So then they figure out it's the other lifeguard and go to her house. And that oh. whole scene, when you can tell that she's, like, possessed, but she's there because, like, Max and Eleven come over thinking that Billy hurt her. And then she's there, and Billy's playing, like, all, like, good guy on the on the, having, the, like, the dinner date with the mom and the family, or the daughter and the family. And then the wife spills that wine, and as she starts walking, um, or as she, like, collapses as she's walking to bed, and then you see the dad walk around the corner, and the way the daughter gets up and just grabs that wine bottle, and they got... American Pie from Don McLean going in the background. She just clocks him across the face with it. God, that scene was fucking great. Fuck Super yeah, it was creepy. very Stepford Wives type of shit too. Like, <laughs> yeah. like how fake it was. But like Rod, real quick, I want to, you know, I, I I said Starcourt Mall was a character all of its own. They fucking killed it with the soundtrack selection this uh, yes. season. Yes, they got fucking Brian Adams going at the beginning when uh. Um, Eleven and Mike are making out, I believe. The um, fucking cars moving in stereo when you're introduced to fucking Billy again. Like, yes. they really killed it with the music. Yeah, the soundtrack for this season was amazing. Crickets. Yeah, Sorry, I was on Play mute. Play the fucking crickets, man. Play the fucking goddamn crickets. I was, like, talking, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, this is a train wreck. What did you guys uh, think? Of, <laughs> fuck yeah, it's it's a Paul Hart episode. Come on, dude, you just fucking you just Solid laid test. a match. You just let it match. You just laid a match, and you fucking let it burn. Um, 
Dude, the sauna test. Fuck. That oh my so gosh, great. that was so amazing. That whole scene was that was one of the best fight sequences I think we've seen in the show. Well, I love seeing L meet her match. Yes, like you finally saw like how powerful this thing is because as of right now, all we've seen it do is like possess someone and then turn like so, like have the demo dogs do his work for him type of situation. You don't actually get to see like how powerful he can make a normal person when he takes them over. And seeing that fight between L and Billy was amazing. Yeah, it's crazy that she, uh, it's like the mind flare also gives his people like fortitude. You know, I mean, because Billy got thrown through a fucking brick wall. I mean, that should yes. have broken every bone in his body, right? Yeah, well, and she also slammed that uh, barbell up against him and like, was pushing him through the con- or the brick wall, too. Yeah. And then he just pushes it back and, like, throws it at her. Yeah. If it's cool with you, can we stay on Billy for a while? Yeah, let's do it. Because, dude, how heartbreaking was it when um, she was trying to find Billy through the upside down and we get his whole kind of backstory in a matter of like a little montage of like him being on the beach. What do you say? Like it's only seven feet and like how how much of a dick his dad was and the baseball coach or whatever. Like like they did a like the character development and growth of this show is fucking amazing this season, which is why I put it at number one. But just. Like being able, like even though Billy's this complete piece of shit, you're able to just completely emphasize with this guy in a matter of a montage. I totally second that because all through the second season, I hated Billy and and I fucking hated him in, in this one also. And then as soon as we get that montage and you see why Billy is the way he did and it was now all of a sudden I empathize with this character and and the little part of me that felt bad that that he had gotten taken over by the mind flare then all of a sudden i became more concerned with what was going to happen with him you know in like when people started going all fucking gelatin and <laughs> joining in and making this big mon- mind flare creature but it never happened with billy i was really holding out a lot of hope that he was going to be able to turn it around and we were going to see something similar to like what we saw with steve in season 1 well, don't you think we did? Well, mm. well, except for the fact that we still have Steve with us, and and Billy's dead now. Well, that's true, but I mean, what more can Bill? I, uh, I, I mean, look at a little yeah, more we, can Billy offer? Well, I no, really, well, I we, really we, like. We got the redemption of the character. I'm just saying. For sure. Now we don't get him in season four as a good guy that could exactly. potentially have something okay. fun going on with you know he's this big badass guy, and what if somebody picks on one of these dorky kids at school? And then all of a sudden we see him, you know, being a protector or something. We're not going to get that in the next season. And that's more what I was saying in the comparison to Steve. True. But I think Billy as a protector with his mental state would just murder somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Rod, I cut you off there. What were you going to say? No, but I'm more with you, Joe. Like he did get that initial redemption. I thought it was okay. I mean, obviously like him sacrificing himself uh, at the end of the season, but I felt like I needed to almost him get that same type of ultimate redemption that Steve's gotten where he kind of gets a whole season to really explore his like the possibilities they could have been done with him like like you were saying his personality um mixed with now that he understands everything that they've gone through um he would probably be a protector of his group and getting hopefully getting like some I could imagine there could be some great inter- react, like interactions between him and some of the other kids 
Um, once he, they've kind of developed that relationship, which they did in this season towards the end, I really was hoping we get that. Unfortunately, we didn't. I get what you guys are saying, but I'm happy with what happened to it. Like, I'm not happy he died, but like, I think it's very satisfying how he went down the like how he died, like the way he did. Like, I do think it sucks that we're not going to see him anymore, but I totally feel like it's appropriate as well, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Were you guys annoyed at all by the fact, because I, I was a little bit, that they didn't once at all in this season even reference anything about, um, what was it, uh, the girl from the second season that has powers? Like, they didn't once show anything connecting her at all yet to this like that you have to think they have to bring it in for season four otherwise what was the point of having those episodes do you think they're going to kind of retcon any of that because i was almost thinking we were going to get a return when she went to what was a philadelphia met up with the rest of her family quote unquote i was expecting to see some of them somewhere in the season but because that was so critically panned by critics and the fans i almost feel like the duffers are like yeah we're gonna pretend none of that shit happened (laughs) i i had thought of that i was like hey why isn't 11 able to call on help from this other person that she know that knows that has powers that could help um and also what happened to to her makeover from the second season where she came back looking all goth with her with her hair slipped back i mean i definitely liked her look better that max helped her find well, for this season. Well, well, did you guys notice when they what when she goes to is it Philadelphia that she goes to in the second season? I thought it was Chicago. Oh, yeah. Chicago, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, she has that mask right that she wears when they go blah, break in, whatever. That yep. mask is hanging in her room. Oh, nice! I didn't oh, catch that. I didn't catch that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, I'm a fucking nerd. Well, I'm, I mean, I feel <laughs> the like the kind, Duffer, I feel like the <laughs> brothers are smart, and they're gonna they have to tie this, and there's no way they're gonna leave something like that not t- tied up at the end of this series. So I think maybe this, that was ultimately their plan was to drop this on us early on, kind of hope we forget about it a little bit, and then tie it all together once again, like once more at the end and really give you that like aha moment or something. I'm not going to lie. I think the Duffer Brothers definitely heard the fans from last season. And I think they took that into consideration because like what I'm saying, man, this season worked on every fucking level compared to last season. I think they... I think they're definitely not proud enough to kind of be like, oh, shit, like we should kind of go back to what worked. And that's what they gave us. Yeah. This had to be the the best season for Joyce in terms of the first season. You know, your mother with your child missing and, and crazy government conspiracy shit going on around it, trying to cover it up. And so she was out of her mind in her second season, her kids there and she's seen him possessed. She's out of her mind in this one. She gets to have lots of kind of fun, arguing back and forth stuff with, uh, <laughs> you know, with Hopper. So, I mean, in a way this was kind of the best season for Joyce. This is my favorite Joyce season for sure. Yeah. Same with me. And and going on parents real quick, like I know it's the 80s, but like after CNN gets called, I got to believe CPS gets called. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, you got Erica, who's what, 9, 10, staying at the fucking mall until like 10 o'clock. Nobody knows where these fucking kids are ever. <laughs> ever. I think Hopper like goes to that fucking gravity wheel type thing and is talking to to Mrs. Wheeler. And she's like, I don't know where my fucking kids are. Fuck you. I want to eat my hot dog on a stick. Get the fuck out of here. I'm trying to live my best life. <laughs> Well, you know, they, it, it happened to work out that there was the, the 4th of July fair going on in town in town at the same time. And so a lot of the parents probably thought that the kids were up at that. And what perfect timing to release this season. First off, it takes place on the 4th of July, and I believe this actually dropped on the 4th of July. And a week before fucking 7-Eleven Day at the 7-Eleven for Slurpees. <laughs> I don't even know if I have any 7-Elevens around me where I live. Oh, I, I, I went to 7-Eleven Day, and I poured one out for fucking Smirnoff. <laughs> <laughs> poured that shit on the ground right in the fucking 7-Eleven. I got asked to leave. Did you, get a so, did you get him a cherry one? I sure did, man. <laughs> so for season four, do you think they're going to go with a spring since they've done every other season for the other seasons? So they like in the first season is kind of that Thanksgiving, Christmas time. Second season was Halloween. This season was 4th of July. Do you think they're going to go with like a St. Patrick's Day type thing going on next season? Don't toy, <laughs> I love that you went don't to St. Patrick's Day of all the random ass holidays. Think about St. Random ass holidays? Hopper. Bite your fucking tongue, you son of a bitch. They'd have to do that or Easter. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Dustin fucking getting drunk off of Jameson. <laughs> They're coming back for Flag Day. <laughs> they're going to cover Flag Day. <laughs> I mean, I guess they could do like Memorial Day, but that's pretty much the same type of celebrating that you do for Fourth of July <laughs> for oh, a TV show. Hawkins. Yeah, dude, let's do St. Patrick's Day. Just drunk everybody. <laughs> right? Everyone dressed in green. The Democrats <laughs> fucking drunk. <laughs> Everyone's doing uh, Irish car bombs. <laughs> yeah the the boys all got those little plastic fucking leprechaun hats on <laughs> the little green ones yeah. rod just got hired by the duffer brothers <laughs> <laughs> oh instead of the russians being the bad guys it's the fucking irish uh, <laughs> let's Nothing. talk uh let's talk about um uh murray murray bauman for a sec <laughs> yes dude i fucking love that guy <laughs> i'm not gonna lie he kind of annoyed me in the second season but dude this third season was his fucking was his masterpiece <laughs> it really fucking was brett <laughs> yeah. gelman really killed it it was just so good please tell me you guys listen to the fucking voicemail oh yeah that was so good yeah. <laughs> I love when shows do that, when they fucking do something outside of their main media to fucking keep you into this world. It's just amazing. Yeah, well, that's so cool when they do little little things like that. Yeah, I was seeing if I could find it online real quick. But uh, yeah, just look it up online. The, the phone number that he gives in this episode, if you call it, you can actually get his voicemail. Um or if you listen to the most recent episode of Heroes and Noise, Dan plays it on there. So What's up, Steve and Dan? Hello. <laughs> oh, it's such a good podcast, right? Dude, I fucking love that podcast. <laughs> I love I the Heroes so and Noise. I feel so bad for being so late to it. It feels like 
it feels like such a fucking morning radio show, doesn't it? I fucking enjoy it so much. Yeah, yeah, it is so good. Yeah, and, and I was late to the party on it, too. It's like I listened to a couple episodes after the first time Dan was on PCL, but then at the time it was I just my schedule wasn't working out that I had time to listen to a lot of podcasts. And so more recently I've jumped into it and been on like hooked on every episode. It's, it's so good. Those guys are so funny. And uh, they got the best fucking chemistry, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, Dan is so funny. Uh, Steve's laugh is like one of the most addictive things ever. It is my cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> It is my cocaine for sure. Yeah, so for sure, if you if you're not listening to Heroes of Noise, you've got to check those guys out. They are too good. Uh, okay, Stranger Things, Murray Bauman, um, and then the chemistry that he had with um, with uh, was Alexi. Dude, it's Stand too off. soon to talk about Alexi, man. Stand off. <laughs> it's too soon to talk about. Please tell me you saw that meme where it said like Mr. Uh, Steal Your Girl and it showed Jonathan. It said Mr. <laughs> Steal Your Kids and it showed uh, Steve. It said Mr. Steal Your Wife and it showed Billy and it said Mr. Steal Your Heart and it showed fucking Alexi. Oh, absolutely. And and what's crazy too is that um, you know we, we the first time we see him is during that opening scene in the first episode. We see him in Siberia. Like, yeah, he's like he's kind of like the second scientist. He's the one that doesn't get killed when the machine breaks down. And so then, you know, a year later, now he's the guy in charge. Or, or is it a few? It's like five years later or something, right? No, I think it's one year later. Yeah, it's well, one year. It was eighty four. How the fuck did they build that whole bunker in a fucking? That's what I was thinking. I was like, like how well, it says it's like if communism really got shit done, it'd be a big thing. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> well, like, how deep did that fucking elevator go in Starcourt Mall? Like a mile underneath the fucking surface? Dude, I honestly I think it fucking went to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> it could have. It took forever. <laughs> I think that that's where the fuck it went. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Before we get into fucking Alexi, I have a question that seems to be the divider. What did you guys think of them taking the Star Wars route, especially the Empire Strikes Back route, and separating most of the main characters? Because I fucking loved it, but I like the people that didn't like this season, that's their main gripe that they separated the core group. See, I think it was necessary because yes. they brought in a bunch of extra characters. Um, you know, we'd never seen Alexi before. Yeah, we saw Murray last season, and I think it was an incredibly successful idea bringing him back and then having Alexi and Murray, the, the two new characters, paired up with our old favorites, Joyce and and Hopper, and then with Dustin and Steve giving them two new characters to work with, and then you still get a bit of the core group together, but then their dynamic is different because they've all grown as characters. I mean, this is such a logical pr progression and, and not a miss at all, in, in my opinion, bringing in those other characters. And so everyone's a, entitled to opinion, even when they're wrong. <laughs> well, okay. Like, I'm just going to say it. I feel like, I feel like stranger things. One got so much love that of course there's people that are just not going to like something just because it's so universally praised. Like you got to be like that person, like, Oh, you know, like if it's mainstream, you're kind of against it. Then season two came along and it kind of gave people a reason to not like it. And then season three came like, ah, well I still don't like it. I, I mean, just don't I've, get the hate. 
I I loved it because I feel like it's like at least kind of like with how I grew up and stuff with my group of friends, it was very similar because like basically, yeah, in the first season we get this group thing that happens to them. So you see them together as a group at that time, but you don't get you don't realize that they've already been friends for a while. And like with my group of friends and stuff, just like them, it's kind of like you you have those things that you always do with your group of like five, six friends. But then also when you're not doing those things, you usually gravitate towards one or two of the others that you're always constantly hanging out with, which basically what we're getting and that the majority of the time in our in our life. And that, those are the scenes that we're now finally getting with these characters where Dustin's kind of levitating now towards Steve because they like have a lot of fun together. And then you're going to get the interactions that Steve's bringing in with with the new characters. And then it, I thought that it was just perfect. Well, and after season two, you break up Steve and Dustin. You're fucking stupid. Yeah, you don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I I love when they first run into each other at the ice cream shop. (laughs) Oh, my God. Genuinely excited Steve is. And they've got their little handshake thing planned out and their Star Wars lightsaber battle. And I love it even more that some that some beautiful person on the Internet actually put lightsabers and stuff in their hands. Yes. Oh, God, I, I hate to jump ahead even further, but right now it's playing in the background. It's the part where they're fucking cutting into Eleven's leg. Oh, God, Yikes. that was gross. Yikes. But yeah, Alexi and Maury Bauman. I got to say, in season two, Murray, I feel, was literally just for – I feel like his sole purpose in season two was just to make the pullout joke. <laughs> that was great though yes i agree but like like he was literally just like a throwaway comedic character and this one obviously he brought comedic relief but he brought so much more to the season like like he was a he was he was our doorway to sympathizing with alexis or i mean alexi and or smirnoff whatever like i really appreciate their bond and all that, especially at the fair and the way to win the fucking stuffed animal. Oh, I can't even talk about it, man. Can't even fucking talk about it. No, that that was was really heartbreaking the way that that went down. Um, and dude, so how about how about the 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 Russian soldier that we get? Arnold Schwarzenegger, yes, Terminator. Yes, at, at the <laughs> very C-1 beginning album? scene, we see him do that that Darth Vader the Darth move. Darth Vader just picks him up, and then we get. We get a few Darth Vader chokes, don't we? We get Billy doing it to eleven in the sauna test. Yeah, and then, um, but man, that guy he he did such a good job portraying an eighties villain in a movie, oh, didn't he? Perfect, oh, yeah. amazing. It was to a fucking T. <laughs> he was fucking great. Like, yeah, he was he was a great um, physical threat to Hopper. And all of that. Um, he was a great foil to him, but yeah, he was just a great looming threat to to everything that was transpiring this season. I, I totally agree. He was straight from like a fucking Predator Commando movie. Don't you mean Hopner P.I.? Hopner P.I. God damn it, dude. That fuck. How many motherfuckers are selling mustache? It would have been good. How many motherfuckers are going to be Hopper for Halloween this year? Oh, that's that's the next. Like like you were giving him praise for the dad bot earlier. That's yes. the next thing for for larger guys at Comic Con. Right, you know, the, you're cosplaying Harper. All all you need is that shirt. Maybe grow a mustache and have just that if you're brave. 
and I, and I can't talk shit. I can't talk shit because in February I found a Hawaiian shirt to wear to this fucking um, like greaser type of conve- like um, rally in fucking Chicago, and I wore it the day after this came out. Like, yeah, got my <laughs> hopper shirt on. <laughs> I saw you post that on Facebook, and I was like, that is a really close fucking match, <laughs> wasn't it? I got that in February, man. <laughs> But no, Winona Ryder did not call me. Unfortunately. <laughs> She's still hurting. Um, <laughs> hey, let's let's kind of jump ahead a little bit on 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 Hopter's character and talk about that that end credit scene. Um, well, is, first off, it, talk about the fact that Hopper. Yes, yeah, even better. <laughs> like yeah, died. as far as we know. Okay, I I I, I got thoughts where we're going with this because I'm. I can tell you right now, I don't think I agree with the theories that the quote-unquote American is Hopper. I don't know, dude. Okay, so in the last scene, we get, um, you know, he's dressed as a Russian soldier so that they could sneak into there. The machine explodes, and then we just don't see him anymore. And so let's presume that the blast knocked him down. Yeah, exactly. We never saw a body. So let's presume that the blast knocked him down. He was unconscious. All these Russian soldiers in there are evacuating because their facility is being compromised. And so they see an unconscious person dressed as a Russian soldier. They grab him. They drag him out of there. They make their escape. When he comes to and they start asking him questions, his smiling and nodding is only going to get him so far before they realize that he's one of the Americans that infiltrated the facility. If they didn't already know that to begin with, and that's why they took him. But, man, I, I fucking want it to be him. I mean, they'd okay. have to be crazy to take him out of the series. He's one of the, big, he's one of the main characters. There's well, no I, way they're taking him out of the series. I totally get that. I, I, I get that, and I know like his contract is for season four or whatever that's come out of the news that he's still signed on to be in season four. <laughs> And I mean, the main rule in what movies and TV, if there's no body, if you don't see the body, he really, they really aren't dead. But I, I have a hard time believing because the fucking, when, when they called in that favor and Joyce told that fucking guy off on the phone, they were there in a fucking heartbeat with fucking Paul Reiser, who just came and smiled and nodded himself to fucking clean up everything. I still don't think the American is Hopper. I think it's fucking Brenner. Oh, that's good, too. Because we have confirmation from the Duffers that Brenner never died. And he's somebody they would need to keep around. You know what I mean? Like, he's got the type of brain that they need to keep around. Yeah. In Russia to help them with whatever the fuck they're trying to do. Hopper, Hopper, if if I'm a Russian, he's fucking expendable. What more can he do for me? I feel like Hopper may have escaped into the Upside Down, and we might get him in the Upside Down in Season 4 to start. I kind of wondered that, too, as if the blast just knocked him into the Upside Down. Because that would be cool, and then if they determine, maybe if they, um, because, like, we know that Will was able to signal to them that he was there from the Upside, and he was there in the Upside Down, and it was he was able to communicate through the lights. So maybe at the beginning of season four, Hopper is going to figure out a way to communicate with Eleven or with some, with one of them somehow. And then the very maybe those first couple episodes or so is them getting him out of um, the upside down somehow, and then figuring out how they're going to tell the rest of their story. I can get on that bandwagon. That would be really cool. 
because then we get to we actually finally get some real maybe we actually get like a full episode where we're almost in the upside down the whole episode and it's just hopper kind of going through it i mean because he's been in the vines of the upside down in the season two so he's kind of he's in he understands that element and he's been in, in season one so really getting to see him explore it for a long amount of time would be really cool and what else is Jim uh, Harbour going to do? Make Hellboy 2? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not got the uh, big things going yet. <laughs> uh, well, one of the things we kind of glossed over was just the way that that the whole Steve and Dustin and um, I'm totally blanking on her name now. And Robin relationship started with uh, with her being the one that cracks the Russian code that Dustin had, had heard over the radio and then her actually figuring out what it meant in the mall and then them doing a stakeout and seeing that, that I, what did you guys think of the progression of that? The jazzercise guy. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He looked like the fucking, he looked like the long blonde hair guy from fucking die hard. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He did, but I do. We got to give Steve props for figuring out that it took place in the mall by listening to the carousel music. Oh, that is very true. Yeah, it was cool how they all how they connected, like all the little clues of that recording, and you could just like they really gave Robin that chance to shine and show her how she cracked the code real quick and put all these code words together and understood like generally something that was about to happen. And and Robin's reveal as to why she doesn't like Steve couldn't have been written any better, in my opinion. Where you think you're you think they're taking you one way, like, oh, she's just a spurned, you know, like she had a huge crush on Steve. He rejected it. She doesn't like him, but no, like she was in love with another girl that loves Steve. Yeah, that that um, scene where she comes out to him and then the way he reacts to it was it, it just adds more to why I like Steve's character and yes. and what they've done with him because he was just like, oh, OK. And so it's like instead of him, you know, being like this, oh, well, fuck that, it, you know, it's just, oh, OK, well, that's not going to work. I still want to be your friend. And like it. The fact that now going forward he's going to be getting relationship advice and stuff from from her and knowing that that she likes girls also, like there's just so many great ways that that could go. And and you're right, Paul. I mean, they it was just a perfect thing for them to do. Well, I mean, like you get so many complaints, and not from me. I'm, I'm not trying to cause any controversy or whatever. But like you get some people that say if you bring in an LGBTQ character, it's almost like they're trying to force it on you. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many complaints about that with so many things from, like, real fucking people are so against it. But this just felt like such a natural way to include an LGBTQ character in Hawkins in 1985. Like, it felt so authentic. It felt so fresh and original that you couldn't help but, like, your heart break for Robin when she came out with that. Yeah, they they did that scene really well, and they did a really they brought that character in a very organic way. Didn't feel forced, um, and it didn't feel like they're trying to shove it down your throat when they did it either. Yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, it was handled perfectly. Um, yeah, because sometimes you'll get shows or somewhere you'll get 
get that character, but they'll bring it in such a, a like the I guess the old stereotypical way that it kind of makes some people do like an eye roll to it, like why are you pushing this on us so hard and trying to like be so progressive in that respect. But they did this perfectly where it didn't feel like they were trying to do that at all, and it was just written really well. And I gotta say, how many movies have we seen that have included truth serum? You know, <laughs> we, we we've seen that so many times, but this one, when have we ever actually seen the the aftermath of truth serum where they're just fucking puking their guts out in the toilet and they're recovering from this drug that's been put into them? Yeah, that's like, something just, we gotta. That's something we need to ask Kevin Shanks about too. Is that it? it does it? like a truth serum type drug does that make people like fucking trip like that so yeah is there actually a truth serum like is that a real thing you gotta think there's some type of chemical compound that you could give someone where it just makes them like i mean because usually people are a lot more honest when they're drunk so when you're there's probably some type of drug or thing that they can give you that puts you in more of an altered state where they know you're going to be less uh suggested a line and just more just telling that the truth (laughs) <laughs> and I know nobody usually asks Kevin, but Kevin, we're fucking asking you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I love the way that they brought in Erica's character because we kept seeing her throughout the season, you know, with her you know, like nerds and, and going in and constantly asking for samples of ice cream. And then it gets to the point where they need her help. They need somebody to squeeze through the air ducts. <laughs> And she John McClane's that shit like a (laughs) son of a bitch. She shows up with elbow pads, knee pads, a helmet with two flashlights duct taped to it. Dude, she was ready to go. She was. She had, she was like that, you get like the tiniest little bit of her in the first season where it's really just her kind of putting way too much syrup on her French toast in the morning one uh, at breakfast. And then that's. So much. (laughs) And then that second season. She gets those like that little scene from the like them taking the pictures for Halloween. Her calling him a nerd, and then hanging up on Dustin. Turn off the walkie-talkie. Like she gets a little moment, but this season they really gave her a lot. God damn, did she shine? She absolutely did shine. She was she was one of the standouts for this whole season for me. Yeah, I'm gonna hitch my wagon to that post. Fuck yeah. <laughs> her her relationship with with those three was the relationship we didn't know we needed. Just like we didn't know we needed the Dustin Steve relationship in season two. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Why I love this season so much is we 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 have these established characters that we still love, but we bring in all these side characters and push them to the forefront, like Erica, fucking Alexi, Murray. Like, all this shit, like, it just worked this season. Like, they really recaptured that magic, for sure, with Erica and all of that. Loved it. Like, she felt like she's always been a part of the gang this whole time, even though she hasn't been. How about the scene in the air duct where Dustin proves to Erica that she is, in fact, a nerd? Because she says she likes My Little Pony. And also, Dustin, he's up to date. He's current on My Little Pony. He's he's a brony. Yeah, he's He's a brony. He's like, hmm, what's ha- what happened on the last episode? Then he completely breaks down, you know, how it's all fantasy elements. And then and then that really pays off at the end where they give her the that dungeon guide or whatever for uh for D D. That was great. They yes. gave her the donation of all like their nerd their nerd stuff that they were kind of outgrowing. Of and she stuff, seemed yeah. yeah, and she seems so happy about it too. <laughs> 
I could see her having a huge role in season four and her like being like super caught up in some of the stuff they gave her and then just being kind of like surprised all of a sudden. Like, what? How did you know that? <laughs> if CPS hasn't taken her away from fucking Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, man. This, I mean, with everything being brought to light so much by the end of this episode, you really got to wonder what sort of tonal shift there'll be regarding that in the in season four. And and are there plans for more this season four? Because I was thinking they said from the start this was going to be four, right? I for some heard... reason, I thought I heard five. Okay. Yeah, I'd always heard the five. idea of five. But, man, the way how fast they're growing up, like it just the, the actors themselves, unless they shoot like four and five back to back, I only think four is going to work because otherwise they're just going to get too old. Like, I mean, Mike's already seven foot tall. <laughs> Lucas is right? Luke, Luke, Lucas is probably going to be like looking like he's in his twenties here soon. He's growing up quick. I've seen like recent photos of him, and he's looking a lot older. And I mean, the only character that really will still be kind of young is probably Erica. Hopefully, See, they're going to have to do some of that Peter Jackson camera trickery that camera they did, angles that they did when they filmed <laughs> Lord of the Rings, where it looks like they're face to face, but in reality, <laughs> you know, one of them is like three feet from the camera, and the other's ten feet from the camera. <laughs> Oh, you gotta do it, Tom Cruise. Give him the Hobbit treatment. <laughs> and Jonathan is still gonna look like he got out of fucking Eric Stoltz's house in Pulp Fiction. Oh no! You know, really, I feel terrible I saying them. this, but man, they could have killed him off. I they almost would have rather him and him and off than than Billy. And I never would have imagined me saying that. There's like, no need now for Nancy or Jonathan. Like they haven't really contributed hardly at all to the story. I don't feel like at this point, like after season one, like I'm just kind of over. I mean, they helped break the story to Murray in season two, but after Murray got a hold of it and it went public, I mean, at this point there, there really isn't much they've been doing with him. They're kind of just slightly breaking a story with them, a storyline for that season and then letting everyone else experience it. Well, and Nancy and Jonathan, kind of just reconnected with Will and the gang of something they already knew. So it's not like they gave them any new information. They just took them to the hospital. The hospital scene was very cool. I, I got to say, like, oh, I really enjoyed. It yeah. was a very Sam Raimi type of fucking scene, right? Like, I really enjoyed that. But besides that, I completely agree with you, Rod. Steve and Nancy, they really didn't do anything for me this season. They didn't do anything for me last season either, except for the pullout joke. <laughs> like i enjoy Oops. like i wasn't a big fan of max last season i don't know why but i loved her this season yeah i really she... enjoyed her dynamic with l and bringing the boys back together but yeah i could go without steve and uh or i go without jonathan and uh, nancy for sure yeah yeah, maybe we'll luck out and in season four they're in college. They just get briefly mentioned <laughs> in the first Or episode. Jonathan's in AA or something. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he's, hopefully he's done with the fucking powder. At least stop straight well, and I, carried into airports. Fucking moron. I hate to fucking bring that up, but goddamn, like, you dumb motherfucker. You're going <laughs> to goddamn. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And aren't they dating in real life, too? I remember at the time they were, so I don't know. That I do not know. (laughs) I remember seeing something on TMZ of them, like, getting a fight outside of a club. 
Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's some classy TMZ reporting there. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Isn't it all? Isn't it all? <laughs> Lovers quarrel outside a local club. <laughs> Dude, I really thought I was watching fucking TMZ at first, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I want we need to talk about the hospital scene a little bit more. Um, I thought that that was some of the best, like real horror payoff in, in the whole season. Uh, the the fact that they start go they they go there to to see this lady and. You know, they, they walk out into the hallway and they got the two d- fucking assholes that they used to work with that are now possessed by this mind flare and they're having to fucking run from them. And then they even think that they fucking killed him at one point. And then d- did you see that happening, that they were going to be dead and then all of a sudden they were going to liquefy and turn into a bug fucking monster? Like, like that was such a huge, scary turn for me that it, it like really knocked my socks off. Well, that was the most unpredictable thing for me this season was that whole hospital, like you said, with the liquefying and all that. And I really hope, Joe, at the beginning of this, you put a spoiler warning. <laughs> I don't think we've given a spoiler warning at all. No, I'll but... put it in the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to this if you haven't watched the show. You're going you're gonna to be ruined. <laughs> I can't wait for this non-spoiler review. Hopper's dead. What? <laughs> No, it'll be right in the episode title. They'll know they're getting spoiled right off the bat. Maybe I'll even record something and put it in there. I don't know. Maybe we'll record something and put it in there. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) No, it's a never-ending story with this shit. Um, (laughs) I see what you did there. Uh, Did you? Did you? No, shut up. Rob's launching right into it. (laughs) Rob's like, I'm about about it. Well, and, like, I just like the fucking, um, how the entire paper staff was there, too, just as this ominous threat, like, like, the Duffer Brothers, you get somebody like Jake Busey, that's what you do with him. That's exactly what you do with that motherfucker. You make him a creepy, psychopathic, killing machine. Man, I I thought it was really kind of a cool payoff that it was, you know, that that happened to Jonathan and Nancy, and that Nancy got to like really fight back against this, you know, it's, it's not the same guy, but it sure fucking looks like him. Well, and this was said before, and I believe PCL where I felt like stakes needed to be higher, where I felt like a main character needed to die pretty early. And we didn't get that. Obviously we got that at the end, but I was, I was almost at the uh, point like, dude, could Nancy or Jonathan fucking die in this hospital? I mean, yeah, it was it was a pretty bad threat. And I got to say, it, going back to the hospital scene, Elle is pretty bad with her fucking powers because the one candy bar Mike wanted, she didn't shake out of that fucking machine. <laughs> <laughs> She's gave him everything. <laughs> everything else except the fucking Kit Kat. I'd be like, we're Another fucking little done, detail Elle. I didn't catch. We're fucking done here, girl. Get the fuck out of here. Go back to Chicago. Seriously, want... man, you and me, we're fucking done professionally. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you're a goddamn Picasso podcast. Thank you. <laughs> That was 
beautiful. <laughs> but I, I loved the the when we see that that monster, it gives us the first taste of what this thing is really going to become. And then once all those other people liquefy into it, and it gets so giant, and then just starts fucking tearing around Hawkins trying to find Eleven. Like that was really fucking creepy. Dude, there's some movies that can't even pull off the special effects this show pulled off. Yeah, I thought it looked pretty good. It looked fucking amazing. Like I'm yeah. watching the mall. I'm watching the final mall battle right now with the mind flayer, and it looks fucking perfect. Yeah, and they made that the monster the, when it was leaving the hospital looks so gross because you literally just see like pieces of bone and just flesh goop goop just oozing all over it. It's nasty. Well, like that. That the whole scene of just the people coming into the basement of that train depot slash warehouse was just horrifying as well. Oh, just yeah. stepping forward one at a time and just like exploding. He, even the rats blowing up, I was like, whoa. Yeah, that was really gross too. Like poor Splinter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wrong. So I was hoping, I was hoping we get that. I was, I was hoping we get that kind of crossover. <laughs> well, we kind of did because the shit they're using to power the fucking thing to open the portal looks like it's from fucking um, – it looks like the canister of ooze and shit. <laughs> that yeah. was one thing about Erica that disappointed me. She was very, very fast to want to drink that. Yeah, stupid <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> it like melted through steel. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean her main how they dug those tunnels so fast. <laughs> Down there with yeah. super soakers full. Well, of that shit. yeah, I guess I, I, I guess we didn't think about that. I mean, yeah, they had whatever that was was powering their big device. So if they were able to create whatever that stuff was, you got to imagine they have some other technology that maybe we don't know about. And that's maybe how they could have built this underground tunnel thing so quickly within a year. Well, the people at Area Fifty One are probably God damn it, <laughs> son of a bitch! They're on to us. <laughs> what did you guys think of that huge uh, battle of Starcourt at the uh, for the last episode? Loved it. Amazing. Man, all those things that the fucking mind flare can just shoot out of itself to like grab onto people and pull them forward. And then apparently while it's st- stuck on, it's going to inject one of those fucking slugs into you. Ugh. Oh, that was crazy. But before we get to like this whole end scene, can we can we please go to Alexi? Yes. Take us there, oh. my friend. Dude, I mean it's cherry slushy. Some- Cherry slush. Oh, wait, is this a slushy or is it a Slurpee? Slurpee, same thing. Or Slurpee from fucking Simpsons. No, Slurpees are from Seven Eleven. Okay, yes, yes, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, someone who I did not think I was going to be so invested in, and I can probably speak for the majority of people, was fucking Alexi. And I think the scene that really brought me to him was the brilliance of Hopper and him kind of fucking um, breaking down his psych. Like, yeah, dude, he's in the car, but he's coming back. He's coming back. And of course, Alexi comes back and he's, he's there to help. And he just like falls in love with American culture and you can't help but root for this guy. And then when it all goes, goes down, you're just left in a fucking pile of mush. Yeah, I loved what they did with his character too. That that whole scene at, at Murray's that you know with Hopper calling him out and saying he's not going anywhere was just perfect. And oh man, 
how they took a character that we didn't even get, you know, any English out of or anything. It was just all the guys acting just in what he was doing with his body language. And <laughs> it just the way he was able to look so incredibly happy with a smile. Right. And in the, the little bromance that, that began between him and Murray with all the, the talking they were doing in the back of that convertible. Oh, the convertible. How have we not talked about the Todd father yet? Okay. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is another thing. You guys are going to probably be like, what the fuck? But like taking notes, I'm just watching the fucking show. It's going to credits. I'm just whatever doing my thing. I look up. And it credits him as Rich Douchebag Todd. That's his name in the fucking credit. Rich Douchebag Todd. I don't know what better way to describe him. What what more concise language can you use? But was it was he really the douchebag? <laughs> like like in that situation, was he the douchebag? Yeah, he has a car named the Todd Father. But he's just pumping gas. That's all he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of the car I feel like Ritz Cadillac would drive. <laughs> <laughs> and does he know Buck from Kill Bill who drives the pussy wagon? <laughs> oh, God. The pussy wagon, the shagging wagon. Um, yeah. No, that's definitely something Ritz Cadillac would drive. <laughs> Ritz Cadillac would drive a non-Cadillac car. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking 1999 Saturn. Um, yeah, no, Alexi. I fucking and I don't think we're really introduced. Like, yeah, we he's literally in the first scene of the season, but I don't think we really get to explore his character until what episode four, which is the halfway point of this season. Yeah, he definitely was just in the latter half of the of the season. Um. Man, how, how good was that when Murray Bauman finally, like, throws it all out there and, and says, you know, all that shit that he says to Joyce and Hopper about how, you know, they're both in love with each other and they don't want to say it. And then Alexi's like, they haven't had sex yet. <laughs> and then starts laughing so <laughs> They both just break out laughing. That was one of my favorite Alexi scenes. He was so great. That that and him throwing the the darts at the balloons and then winning yes. that huge that huge prize. Now does he win? What? He, yeah, because that that's the cartoon he's watching, right? When uh, they get Burger King. Oh, Isn't wow, he laughing? Watch. I didn't catch if that's true. I think that's what he was watching. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. God, you guys really fucking slacked. <laughs> I only watched it once and it was right when it came out. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see the, yeah, the battle scene at, at Hopper's cabin was really amazing also with the, the, uh, the mind flare coming in through the roof and how we see it moving through the woods. And then, um, I that was like the Jurassic, that was like Jurassic park feels. Yeah. Yes. Right. Chasing the them gr- down the street. Where the Wheeler's daughter is on the Ferris wheel, like, what the fuck is happening down there? Like, oh, stupid kid, watch the fireworks. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really crazy, seeing all the trees move and everything like that. Um, also, with- also, I fucking, I fucking hate to do this, Joe. I hate to bring politics into it. But could it be any further on the nose that uh, Klein was fucking Trump? His fucking signs look just like the Trump signs. The fact that he's working with Russians, 
Oh shit! I didn't catch any of that subtext, but I'm digging what you're fucking saying. There. <laughs> like, god <laughs> damn! Could they be any more on the nose? Like, this is the this is the rise of Trump. It started in Hawkins, Indiana. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I loved it when Hopper beat the shit out of that guy, though. That oh, was just I fantastic! He, I thought he was gonna chop his goddamn finger off. <laughs> I did too. That the. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it as soon as, because in that first exchange, we see, we see the mayor using that cigar cutter. Holy you know? shit. And then Holy the shit. next time Hopper goes in that office and then it's used as, I was like, oh my God, I love that they brought that back and that they'd showed it in the first scene and uh, it was all perfectly done. Okay. Okay. I, I hate to do this, but um, I'm watching it right now. I'm on the Battle of Star Court where um fucking... They're calling Susie. I'm trying to get a timestamp. At <laughs> 33 minutes and I want to say 48 seconds, on her nightstand is Dustin's white hat with the blue and red on it. Oh, no way. Oh, that's awesome. Let me get a fucking timestamp. Uh, three minutes and 55 seconds. It's right next to the blue lamp. It's got the red fucking visor, the white, and then the blue mesh. It's on her fucking good night stand oh that's really adorable that scene's epic <laughs> that was my fist pumping scene man that, I'm that telling was you. so great that was really good the, in the way that that all the other characters that were on the radio and could hear it going down <laughs> well first off we know that in real life he is one hell of a singer so it was nice for them to like use that into the show and again it just goes back to like these are fucking kids in 1985, they're going to love the never-ending story. Like, it's just like, all this shit's going down, but yet we got time for this adorable little song. It was amazing. Yeah. And the, yeah, the reaction of all the other characters was so priceless. I mean, like, Murray's listening on the other side. He's just like, what is his head? I think he's banging his head against the wall. Hopper's looking <laughs> confused. Erica's right next to Dustin when he's doing this and she's just giving him the weirdest look. <laughs> oh my god, like like even though she's a nerd, she's giving that nerd look at him. <laughs> and and I was reading this is one of the more controversial scenes of the entire season because some scientists figured out the algorithm or like the number she gave, that's the updated 2015 version of that number. In 1985, the number would have been slightly different. Who cares? So as Erica would say, fucking nerds got disappointed in this scene. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I I did a lot of research. That detail is fucking beautiful. (laughs) I did so much research for this today. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad you did because I didn't. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Come on, it's the return of turn up to eleven in some form. You gotta go, <laughs> don't call it a comeback. No. <laughs> and if it's happening on Startcast, then it's the shit show version of it. So this is the no, perfect dude. home for it. We're on the be- we're we're on the six 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 seven frequency right now. Come on, <laughs> don't under don't undercut yourself, buddy. <laughs> six six seven frequency. That's great. <laughs> Uh, I I love the way that um, it went down after. Okay, so kind of going back to the truth serum scene after um, Robin and and Steve 
are getting interrogated by the Russians and they're telling this general or, you know, whomever he is exactly what happened. The guy's just refusing to believe it because it's just too crazy. And then Robin's just laughing and, you know, she repeats the code to him and it's like, I cracked your code in less than a day. <laughs> <laughs> like all of that scene was so cool to me. Steve got fucked up, man. Oh, he got yeah, the shit yeah, made out did. of him. And I like love, a champ, though. I love the little callback to all the times he's gotten his ass kicked in this <laughs> right? show. You finally won a fight. <laughs> <laughs> and he won it against the fucking Russian. Like, that was it's amazing. The, does he hit him with the phone? Or I thought it was like a gun. I thought he grabbed like the phone from the communications board oh. and smacked him with it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> – but just him getting his ass kicked, you're like, God damn. And then and then what like they're talking about Dustin and the guy's like the kid with the hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey guys, can we pause for just a quick sec? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Just a sec. And we're back. Okay. Uh so yeah, we were talking about Steve getting beat up there. How about once they escape and they're sitting in Back to the Future? I know both of you guys are gonna have thoughts on this. Yeah, that was so great. Uh, I loved it so much. I was like, "Yes, they're putting this in the movie." Thank God. I love because they every season they always do like a mo- movie references from that that year. Because you had Ghostbusters in the year before, and now you got Back to the Future coming out in '85, and it was just I was so happy. What was the first season? Was it Evil Dead? Because he had that poster up, and his dad was like, "Take that shit down!" Blah blah blah. I'm trying to think what '83 would have been. I know it really focused on the uh, Jonathan talking with Will about the Flash and or not the Flash, the Clash. And yeah, stuff, but yeah, it was I don't more about music the, in that first season. Yeah, well, they I, had the I think they had a Jaws poster up on his wall. Oh, okay. And I think I Jaws think, maybe came out then. Well, Jaws came out. Jaws came out like in '77. Jaws came out before Star Wars. Oh, okay. Never mind then. I think it was Evil Dead because when uh, Will and Jonathan's dad comes, he looks at his room and he's like, take that poster down. Like, that's in bad taste, but whatever. But I know a lot of people freaked out. This is something I read online that um, the the video camera Jonathan uses in season two is almost identical to the video camera Marty uses to record the first time travel uh the delorean oh yeah oh that's uh, cool that's pretty cool i I liked how afterwards when steve and robin were were talking outside the theater and they were trying to figure out what they just saw in relation to marty (laughs) trying to bang his mom there's the mom trying to bang marty and stuff (laughs) when he's saying it to the fucking uh guy that works at family video like oh yeah the one with uh michael peter alex p keaton that tries to fuck his mom or something (laughs) (laughs) the fast times ridgemont high one of my favorites (laughs) animal house uh (laughs) star wars a new hope what Yeah, Steve knows nothing about it. He's not any sort of cinephile, right? <laughs> Did he reference Caddyshack? This is one of his favorites. I thought he said, oh, that golf movie with the little gopher that dances. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say that? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Um, uh, I, I loved the, the payoff with them shooting all the firecrackers at the, the monster in the mall. Uh, during that end battle and and man seeing seeing l 
like kind of incapacitated like that was, you know, that really added to the suspense for me anyway. Well, and I got to say, Lucas has really been brushing up on his fucking slingshot abilities, right? It's a wrist. He got, he got Billy. He got Billy pretty fucking straight up in the sauna test. Oh, no kidding. That was a good shot. It's a bam right in the eye. Right in pow, right in the kisser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of Family Guy there. That's fucking great. <laughs> Whoa, we're dropping things. No, sorry. There's like a fucking <laughs> pow, right in the kisser. Daddy ain't fucking daddy long legs in my house. <laughs> to my players here. <laughs> oh, dude. Daddy long legs. They're one of those things where they don't super freak me out. But every time I look at them, I have to like remind myself, no, it's just a daddy long leg. It's not that freaky. But when I was in Boy Scouts and I had to spend a week at scout camp, which was one of the worst fucking weeks of my life, um, just because that was when I came to the realization that Boy Scouts is really fucking stupid. It, it might be great for some people, <laughs> but I grew up out in the woods. And so I'm like, these people aren't teaching me anything I don't already fucking know. And it's, uh, I don't know. I had a rough time with the scouts, but uh, the, the, tents that we had to sleep in were full of fucking daddy long legs like oh, full of them like you turn on a flashlight at night and shine it at the ceiling and the ceiling was moving because there was hundreds of them nope fuck, fuck that i swear yeah. to god this one in my living room was just fucking flying i didn't know they could do that they can't you're not looking at a daddy long leg <laughs> <laughs> the daddy long legs don't fly but this thing was doing something unnatural <laughs> this daddy long legs flying well clearly i'm no entomologist but clearly that is not a well it looks like a fucking leg. daddy long legs and the thing is gliding and flying around my fucking living room uh, it's something from the upside down then <laughs> Dude, Dude, ass mosquito. where's fucking alexi when i need one <laughs> yeah he's gonna throw a fucking dart at it <laughs> i don't get it you don't get it? <laughs> Dude, I was out in my garage one time years ago. I used to have a... Um, uh, when I when I used to really be into shooting, I would reload my own 9mm rounds uh, to save money going out to the, the target range every weekend. And I was sitting there at my reloading bench, and there was a fucking wasp flying around. And so, you know, I mean, those are just motherfuckers with wings. And so I had to take it out. And I picked up my waited till it fucking landed, and I actually shiskabobbed it with my blow dart gun. Damn. It was fucking awesome. There is photographic evidence somewhere on my Facebook timeline. <laughs> and cue the crickets. Cue the crickets. <laughs> screen went Sorry to sleep. Dogs are, dogs are barking. That's trying to mute. <laughs> and I'm being attacked by a fucking flying insect. <laughs> and we are so full off the rails, I'm telling a blow dart gun story. <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, I, I kind of want to go back to your little theory. I just got to the scene where <laughs> please save me. All the myself. fucking like, <laughs> where like Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt come and save the fucking day. Minus Helen Hunt. Um, <laughs> I was like, what? Fucking fucking Murray the dog comes running in to save. There's nobody in the fucking um, like like when the army comes in to this area by where they're fucking closing the gate. There's no Russians around. Like yeah, everyone, no, they all evacuated. Take, yeah, you fucking got it right, man. Maybe they did take Hopper. So I mean, where where did they all go? 
How did they all disappear? I mean, obviously there must have been a maybe they went into the upside down because doesn't doesn't Paul Reiser like see still like a tiny little opening of the upside down? So maybe it was it was still open when they all when people ran into it and then it closed it started closing up and that's why you don't see any like bodies because most of them they just they didn't like disintegrate but they just like turned to like they turned to ash pretty much so there would have been still something there for the bodies that got disintegrated. Okay, so if how about this? They do escape through the upside down. They take Hopper with them, and then what better w- way to fucking escape through and successfully make it through the upside down than with a whole fucking army of soldiers armed with AKs? And they collect a demigorgon along the way that we see in that final, uh, you know, that mid credit scene. Yeah, or maybe I feel they like had the demigorgon's a- been there the whole time. I think I feel like they've had him for a while. Or maybe they figured out a way um, to breed when they when they came over to Hawkins and got into the upside down. Maybe they figured out a way to travel through the upside down back to the, their point in Russia where they were trying to uh, break through and were able to break through from the other from the under, the upside down side. And then at the very end, they all went into the upside down, and just followed it through to their their facility over in Russia, and that's how they got Hopper over there. It's totally possible, man. I, I, I like that idea, too. Or maybe they're all just chilling up at Hot Dog on a Stick. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never check here. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, how long does it take for the news, to the, the local Hawkins news, to get there and just see this giant fucking mind flare in the middle of the mall and all this shit where... Instead, we're getting inside edition or cutting edge or whatever, breaking the story with no facts. Well, maybe well, you gotta, Hawkins you, only had a newspaper, and and you got to think that, that fifty, yeah, Sorry, and like fifty of those people in that town are gone. So you got to think if it's a small town, a lot of those probably people that would have been responding to this in Hawkins are no longer there. That's true. That's true. Wow. I don't. I can't wait to see what it's going to do in the fourth season, though. I mean, for sure we're going to have to get more of the Russia stuff, right? Have to. Yeah, I, I feel like season four should start like in a courtroom with just like people suing the city for all this shit happening. Be like, where's my fucking family? Where's where's all these people? Like, what the fuck happened here? Maybe we'll get Force Ghost Barb in season four. Oh my god, <laughs> Force Ghost Attorney Barb. <laughs> and, and just go to the upside down she's there chilling <laughs> what will we see happen with with eleven's powers because they're you know not working for her hardly at all by the end of the episode are Maybe. they gone because of that thing that latched into her leg is that what sucked them out yeah i don't i we don't know yet yeah we don't know yet i wonder if maybe this is um how they'll kind of bring back in the other girl that was experimented on had powers is that maybe 11 will now need to try and like find her again or somehow they get reconnected because of this situation. And then that's how you bring that, that person back into the story. And maybe they have some big payoff at the end of the show. And are the stranger things crew going to Russia? (laughs) Wow. Well, are they going to maybe find some sort of like gateway or something that that takes them there? Cause otherwise it's like, how does that, work (laughs) well uh, okay i'm uh, i'd like to see erica and russia killing it all right all right (laughs) i just found this 
this is a thing. This is why I brought this up because um, I read this article about what the Duffer said. Um, they said something like, I think the biggest thing that's going to happen in Stranger Things 4 is it's going to open up a little bit, not, not necessarily in terms of scale, in terms of special effects, but open up in terms of allowing plot lines into areas outside of Hawkins. Mm. Ross Duffer added that heading to Russia is a no-brainer given the credits, given the end credits scene. Well, that's pretty wild. Nice. So maybe there are types of like teleportation in play as well. Like, I mean, if they can open up a fucking portal to this hellscape of a fucking upside down, maybe they can, maybe they've stumbled upon a way to teleport as well. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to explain it. And, and and the other thing I'm, you know, what's the dynamic going to be now that that Eleven is living with, with Joyce and Will and Jonathan and they're moving away somewhere? Yeah. I wonder if they're, I don't know if they're going to move, like, still just within the state of Indiana, like go to Indianapolis or something, or... If they're gonna actually like maybe move cross country or something like that. Well, I think Murray's gonna have a big part to play in whatever's gonna happen with Joyce because we know he's just based off that voicemail. We know he's got some kind of information to tell her, and I think they'll be working together to figure out whatever the fuck that is. Yeah. Do you think we'll get a extra payoff with Susie in season four? Do you think she'll come somehow come together with them? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, totally. That'd be that'd be awesome. Susie Poo. <laughs> <laughs> and Dusty Buns. Yeah, all in all this was I mean, this the, the the season season 2 was good to me, but not nowhere near as good as as season 1 and and this did feel like a return to form to me. And I had a lot of fun with this and and I'm looking forward to the rewatch I just started on. Yeah, this I, I would agree. <laughs> this is definitely back to the form of season one, and it's better than season two. I don't feel like season two dropped off a ton. It's still a great season, but yeah, for it's still season three right now is definitely I think the second best, but way, way more up there with season one. Yeah, like I said, I definitely put this at my top just because of the I've been able to rewatch it. And it's like if I went back to Stranger Things, I'd probably start with season three. Not necessarily go back to season one right away. Yeah, um, I just wanted to watch the whole thing over again in a linear fashion. Holy shit. I got okay. Watching this at the end, I don't quote me. When they're moving, L is wearing a flannel shirt. Yeah, I noticed I that. Thi- is that the flannel shirt Hopper gave her in the first season? Oh, it could be. Probably. Oh, that's sad. I think that's it. Okay, sorry. Sorry. No, no. I, I love that you're picking else. up on those things. Apparently, I watch these things like a bumbling idiot. All right. He's like catching all these little tips and clues and things. Yeah, Joe actually watched. Did you guys see that cloud black. in the sky in, season, in episode four? It looks like a, the Demogorgon. He's coming. Fuck you, Rod, you piece of shit. <laughs> and Joe's watching Glow season two. Oh, yeah, Stranger Things is great. <laughs> they really nailed this 80s look. They got it. 
<laughs> they got it. It's like you guys keep talking about little kids. It's like, don't you mean like powerful women? <laughs> <laughs> and leotards? What? <laughs> yeah, so season four, I wonder what, you know, like with the... You know, I wonder what movie reference or something that they'll kind of be leaning on or what what 80s theme they'll be on, because they were definitely on the mall on this one. And I don't know, like, like what other things can they can they do like to, you know, really kind of set that scene as the 80s? I mean, if it is if it is going to go more in the way of like some sort of espionage thing, I, I don't know how you involve children in something that's like taking place in Russia as well. But I mean, then again, they, they, they accomplished it this season just by bringing them here. But I don't know. I just can't wrap my mind around how the location change is going to go. Okay. Well, well, obviously the mo- one of the most popular movies of 86 was aliens, which could definitely play into anything that's happening with the, with the upside down. And we kind of did get an alien reference in the hospital scene. Didn't we, when the mind flare is like rubbing its face close to Nancy's, that's almost a shot by shot scene of, um, Sigourney Weaver and the alien. But, um, so, so other movies that came out in 86, you got big trouble, little China Jordan's out karate kid part two. (laughs) Top Gun. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, those are some... They could do some really cool little things with it by dropping oh, just small Joe. small little hints at each of those movies. But Joe, 1986 gave us Crocodile Stand. Dundee. <laughs> 86 gave us Stand By Me. That's not a knife. <laughs> and, and we definitely have got... We, I think season two gave us the biggest Stand By Me reference when they're walking on the train tracks. Yeah, that was oh, a big yeah. homage to it, but it, I, I wonder if they would actually like reference it and put it in their world. <laughs> uh, Short Circuit and Fisher Stevens will reprise his role in Stranger Things season four as the Middle Eastern guy. <laughs> I'm not, just kidding. I was like, that's not good. <laughs> well, they got a lot... They, you know, they got Little Shop of Horrors, which could be like with the Demogorgon. Oh, they have a lot of shit they could do. <laughs> Demi Gorgon does the Feed Me Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> feed me, comrade. <laughs> and what, didn't we get... Um, when did MTV actually drop? Was that 86? Oh, man, I don't know the year, but yeah, it was- it's right around there, right? That'd be something perfect to bring in for the eighties. Oh wait, that was 81. Sorry. Oh, okay. I think the move, I think the, their award show dropped 80 in 86. Okay. God. Yeah. I was born in 80 and and I remember being a real little kid and having teenage babysitters that would be watching MTV. Yo, MTV raps. <laughs> so I remember a lot of those Head really ball. early eighties uh, videos. I remember seeing those. <laughs> well i mean great. like shit like we're definitely gonna fight i I think brenner's still gonna be around for sure i think brenner uh matthew modine's gonna make his way back you know uh we're probably gonna we're probably gonna face some aftermath with uh carrie yules or Cly mayor klein and what exactly he was doing with the russians we're gonna look into maybe even though it happened in the 50s we might get into kind of like a red scare with like Hawkins being associated with too much 
communist uh, ties that they might be under the radar for being a little too friendly with the Soviets. When did the Berlin Wall fall? <clears throat> 89. Uh, okay, that's ahead quite a bit then. Kind of wondering if, if the fall of communism would have something to do. To 1991. Oh, shit. Oh, 91. Man, well, if they did a time jump like that, it would explain their their Wait, size. And why they look like better. grown adults. <laughs> yeah. Wait, it was it. I'm sorry. Fucking Wikipedia. It was 89, Rod. My bad. Okay. I'll change it later. But man, if they, <laughs> if they were to do a little time jump like that, it, it really could at least cut out the the people saying, you know, oh, they're, they're too big. And it's like, you know, they're growing up too fast. And if they did that time jump, though, I feel like t- some people would just really complain about what happened in those like many years that they like went from wherever. It's like they don't give some type of explanation for it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys just yada yada like four years. <laughs> like they're four big years, like all high school years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> really nothing no deal, interesting yeah, happened to nothing any of them. happened in high school. <laughs> but now they're, now they're graduating and they're in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, can we say that we all think Hopper is definitely coming back? Absolutely. He'll be back in some some fashion. And I mean, obviously, we got the Demogorgon back. Yeah. And how are they keeping that thing in a cage? From season one, it seems like a Demogorgon is like a cross-dimensional creature. It can just like blip in and out. Right? Because, I mean, it just appeared behind... In the very first episode, it just appears behind Will inside the shed and then is able to then take will to the upside down. So how is it this demogorgon that's like in this cell able to just disappear and go to the upside down? Or would it be if he goes to the upside down, he's still stuck in a cage in the upside down. But I think it's that. I think it's that. Cause I feel like when they trap him in the first season in the, like the bear trap in the house, he would be stuck there in the upside down if he went back. I don't think he'd be able to move throughout the upside down or anything like that. Okay. All right. Maybe Elle fucked with him as well. Maybe she fucked with his type of powers the way her powers got fucked with. Oh, yeah. Because doesn't she say in that first season that that she's kind of connected to that demigorgon, right? Yeah. Now, now, where do you think um, Joyce and the kids could be moving? Do you think they'll stay around Indiana, or do you think she might go to um, – fuck, where did Bob want to move? Well, didn't she say something about going to a city? If she were to go to Chicago, it would put Eleven close to that other – would. That other uh, gal with powers. Which, which number did she have? Was it eight? I believe so. Okay. I think so, yeah. And then we just got a think, comic recently where we got introduced to six. Yeah, it just sounded like you guys loved that on fucking number one comics. Um, it was a little boring. <laughs> yeah, boring. <laughs> like, but I'm trying to think because like, she was so like we, – we had a lot of deep cuts to Bob this season. Where did – like he proposed – like he wanted to move them somewhere. Was it Maine? Wow, that's a hop, skip, and a jump away from Indiana. Yeah, but I feel like, well, I mean, because I feel like Joyce would probably want to get as far away as she fucking wanted to. But then they'd be dealing with fucking Pennywise. 
Yeah, about to that bring him into the whole Stephen King universe. <laughs> well, <laughs> well did you guys read town called Castle Rock? <laughs> well, did you guys read that whole theory that like even though they're not connected, like that was a huge shout out to it because his timeline would have put it every like his first nightmare would have put him 27 years after that nightmare, which is when Pennywise emerges. So are you talking a, str- a connection between it <clears throat> and Stranger Things? Yeah, but they can't full out say that because they don't have the rights to it. But like, it was pretty much like a wink and a nod to Stephen King and Pennywise because it happened in a town in Maine, which is where Pennywise is. Like, it was uh-huh. clearly they were trying to say, like, "Oh, we're kind of talking about Pennywise, but we're not." Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I hadn't heard anything about that. That's pretty wild. Yeah, it's fucking. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, like, like if you're gonna want to move away from, from all that shit, wouldn't you want to get away, get as far away as you possibly could? Because Chicago ain't gonna be that far away. But now you moved somewhere like Maine. <laughs> but now Maine. <laughs> no Maine. Or you can go say hi to Rebecca's friends in Delaware. <laughs> At the lion food or whatever she was talking about. <laughs> that was great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. For me, the most logical point just story-wise is for them to go to Chicago so that 11 can can meet up with that with eight. Holy shit. Okay. Hol- holy shit. When did Chernobyl happen? 1986. Huh. <laughs> They could refer- they could have Chernobyl. That's a really good point. The, the cause of Chernobyl be Stranger Things. They could do that tie in. That'd be interesting. When exactly did Chernobyl happen? Was that April of April of ninety eighty six? And April would have been the springtime, which, which would have been the season, spring season. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming together. It, it could be. Shit. It could be. That could be. Instead of it being like some type of holiday in the spring it's just going to be an event in the spring and it could be chernobyl holy shit interesting wow i don't know if they'll pull that way but if they do that'd be fucking hilarious <laughs> tell us that chernobyl was a cover-up to a battle between l and the fucking demogorgon <laughs> oh i think wow. russia would go, russia would go with that <laughs> this is true this is factual <laughs> not that bullshit on hbo yeah, did you guys watch that oh yeah yeah I, i'm a, i'm one episode away from the end oh dude what did season four what did episode four do to you with those soldiers and the dogs oh i couldn't do it it was hard hard to watch couldn't do it. yeah you definitely check out chernobyl if you haven't yet if you got access to to hbo it's only five episodes and it is it's it's a must watch Wow, from Stranger Things to Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's my big theory. It's gonna because that take like in Russia, Chernobyl eighty six spring. Shit. Oh, that'd be great. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Stranger Things? I loved it. Yeah. Nope. If you haven't, if people haven't been watching. I don't know why you're listening to this, but. I think this is one of those sh- the seasons that I'll rewatch multiple times throughout the like next year or so, and then probably just do a whole rewatch of the series right before the next season drops. Awesome. 
Yeah, it is. It definitely got back to form. I, if you're big into eighties, and I feel like I don't know if this is gonna make any sense. For me, like of course, season one felt like it was filmed in the eighties. Like everything about it felt eighties. Season two just felt like a show that took place in the eighties, and season three again, it actually felt like we were watching a show that was filmed in the eighties as yeah. well. So they did such a good job with setting up everything in that mall. Oh well, um, yeah. I think I think that's about all we got for Stranger Things, folks. Um, you guys were just recently on the podcast, so you need more Paul in your life. Check out Animated Batcast. Uh, Rod, me and him do number one comic books with Brian and Rebecca. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about this. It was uh, really cool to do the turn it up to eleven thing again with the Starcast shit show. <laughs> <laughs> twist on it right because <laughs> like, I, I i seem to remember turn it up to 11 being so much more organized it was we tried nice. we tried <laughs> we go into this one going yeah, joe's gonna have a plan it's like yeah joe, joe. the only thing that was like the only thing about turn up to 11 was that we did an episode for each episode that's true you know what i mean the we didn't do just a whole recap all. Crickets. Uh, yeah. No, I'm just thinking. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> we we started off good. We almost covered the first two episodes well, and then uh, we will. We got the greatest hits of season three. <laughs> we did the characters. I think it turned out okay. I'm happy with it. <laughs> if you guys your are listeners happy, I'm get happy. their money back if they want. Yeah. Right. <laughs> your fucking free entertainment. <laughs> Oh, dude. You even got some Christian Bale spaz, you know. What more? What, what, what more could you want? <laughs> what the fuck more could you want? I don't know. Fucking thing <laughs> sucks. <laughs> best best outro. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> Uh, good times <laughs> well thank you guys so much for coming on uh thank you all so much for listening and until next time this has been Startcast. <laughs>